Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you people, I was really bummed this weekend because me and the lovely Joanna were hanging out watching the Eagles play the Packers. And we said, you know what? I had dinner planned, a healthy dinner, because, you know, we always eat healthy. And I said, if the Eagles win, we're going to get cheesesteaks at Philly's Best. So we're all excited. We're so excited. Like, you know what? We think they're going to win. We're, we're pumped. And we're like, and she's a health, more healthy than me. And they got their asses kicked. And I, was, I, I still wanted to get the cheesesteaks, and she wouldn't let me. And the worst thing about it was, when we were in Arizona seeing the game, we went to this uh, classic old school com, uh, candy store. And they had a delicacy back from the Philadelphia area called uh, Goldenberg's Peanut Chews. And she was supposed to pull them out during the game, but they were getting their butts kicked so bad that I never got to get it. So hopefully down the road, we'll be able to watch a game that is significant, not like against the Titans, because we're not going to get cheesesteaks after that, because they're going to win. It's where I can get a cheesesteak, because I'll enjoy it. Anyway, enough about that. I have a guest today. It's very funny. I, I met this guy years ago, and we're talking back in the day when we did stand-up, and I remember him, he was the house MC at... Uh, Trump's Plaza, I believe, in Atlantic City at a club called Coconuts, booked by a lady named Ann Keel. But Michael was gone the week I was there. So this, I'm not going to say anything about the act. This lady named Christy Quayle emceed. And I was like, I wish Michael had emceed because he had an act and he was smart. This girl was just loud and singing. My guess is Michael Platt. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. And I can't feel sorry for you about the Eagles because I'm a Jets fan. I was thinking about that. I know. We had a bye week this week, so I ate the cheesesteaks that you had. Oh, no. uh, that was a big celebration for us. I we, see the pictures with your kids. Like You got them into the jet scare and stuff like that. I got them into the jet scare. I'm totally into that. What happened? I mean, I mean, it's funny because you guys always... I remember a few years ago, your defense was great. Right. And then... I don't. I mean, I don't know what, what's your what's your feeling on Rex Ryan. Do you like him or do you think he's a punk? I did like him. I think they got a clear house and 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 get everybody away except for Harvin. Now, how's Harvin? Is Harvin? I mean, first he's amazing. What an amazing athlete. I mean, watching this guy, you know, for the last couple of games, the, the guy's fantastic and worth every penny. You know, um, as far as dissension in the locker room, I mean, what locker room doesn't have it? I right. Mean, in the NFL, what's your what's your take on uh, Geno Smith? Because my take is, and I'll be honest. Um, when the Eagles were drafting last year, they had the quarterback, and they passed on Geno Smith, and they took Matt Barkley. And I went, wait a second, Geno Smith would be perfect for that Chip Kelly offense. What do you think of him? You think it, New York's just too hard to play in? No, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he has a tough, a tough time picking up the, uh, the defense. I think he has a tough time with audibles. I mean, if it's a set play and it's not too complicated, he's great. And uh, I don't think it's that he's not smart. I think it's just all comes at him so quickly. Uh, maybe it's still youth. I don't know. He's got a great arm. He can run a lot. But in this league, you know, it's not like college. You can't run like that. No, are you so, are you a big fan? Do you, like, watch every Sunday or, or are you just... You no, know? I watch every Sunday. I got the package and, uh, you know, a miserable ball by, uh, by three minutes in. It's usually a pick six starts my day. That's funny. How do, how do your kids handle it? Because I know when I was a kid, the Eagles sucked. I mean, the Eagles, that's when they were just awful. And as a kid, I mean, you're a kid, so you don't get too involved in it but it gets depressing i mean are your are your kids really into football or are they like they, they want to be because you are well or? they're kind of they're kind of like learning everything now they're, they don't understand the rules they're into hockey i mean hockey's my number one sport now are you a devil's so, fan i'm a diehard rangers fan okay because they play the flyers uh thursday night I think. yeah who that's my stanley cup usually is watching the flyers get eliminated yeah because I, I hate the flyers with a passion it's so funny because so. i i hate the rangers but i I hate the Devils more just because growing up in New Jersey, I was in South right. Jersey near Philly. I hate, and you'll you'll understand. Well, you're you're from uh, White Plano. You're from no, uh, I'm from North Jersey, from Fairlawn. So how are you not a Ra- oh, cause, because you're probably my age? So yeah, the Devils before the uh, before the Devils came into existence. Now, do you hate you know? the Devils or are you okay with them? I don't hate the Devils. I like um, the only team I really hate. Sorry to say, is the Flyers. Oh, that's you know that's um, it's it's fine. But like for me, it's like I don't like I hate the Devils more than I hate the Rangers. Yeah. Just I because, hate the Islanders too. By yeah, the way. and that's you know, yeah, and Poppin sucks. So I'll yeah, that out there. But I, I hate the fact that uh, back in the day, I mean, not back, just the Devils, I, I hear it all the time, you know, oh, New Jersey, because, you know, you you, got, you grew right. up near New York. Right. So people, a lot of people who are from New Jersey don't understand. I would tell people I'm from Philadelphia. They go, no, you're, uh, wait, I had a friend who said, well, you're not, you're not from Philadelphia, you're, you're from New Jersey. Right. And I was like, well, I had to say that because I hate to say, but people don't understand that a state, like they think, oh, California, okay, because you have San Francisco six hours away. They don't understand that. A state an hour and a half is next to two big right. metropolises. It's just divided by the tri-state area and the whole that whole line. And and uh, you know, I lived um, I lived probably as close to the garden as I did to uh, the Meadowlands. Right. 
And uh, my earliest memories of hockey was my, you know, holding my dad's hand and walking into Madison Square Garden and, you know, and that whole thing. And so that's why it's like ingrained in my, uh, in, in my blood, you know. And when I look at the Rangers blue, you know, I look at it objectively now as an adult. And it's like, yeah, yeah, the Rangers, I can watch it, take it or leave it. But if I stare at it for like a blip more, all of a sudden I'm like transported back to my childhood. Well, it's weird because, you know, you're a big sports fan as a kid and so was I. And it's weird. I think a lot of comics, because you started doing stand-up comedy, mm -hmm. I think you find that a case in a lot of comics. There's a lot of comics who are really diehard sports fans. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I, you know, I really didn't know about comedy as a little kid, but I always wanted to be a sportscaster. Right. Did you ever want, did you ever think of that when you were a kid or? Uh, no, not really, because I was just more into, although, I did find it interesting that all my comments about about what happened on a play was what they say right after I'd already identified the the the, the problem. So uh, I, I guess I thought about it a little bit, but not not really. I mean, my whole thing was always comedy and joking around and having fun. And so as a kid, you you joked around a lot. Now, yeah. did did you watch comedy as a kid? Did you see? Did you watch like sitcoms? Because I know you write for sitcoms now. Or did you watch stand up? Or I mean, how did you? That's all I did was both. I. Uh, I watch TV, which is a testament to how great a student I was. I watched TV 24-7 whenever I could. I watched every sitcom there was. I used to talk to the television. I used to, like, repeat the dialogue back and forth, which is kind of like um, training for, for, for writing characters. I didn't even realize I was doing it. My mom would walk in and go, are you, are you talking to the television? I'm like, eh. Kind of. That's you know. funny. What were some of your favorite shows back there? Were they, were you like a Welcome Back, Cotter? What's happening? Well, all, all the rerun, all the reruns. My favorite show ever was The Odd Couple. Okay. Because I used to watch them reruns on PIX and you know Channel Eleven. Um, they they play them like twenty four seven also. So I'd watch like nine million Odd Couples. Um, and then I uh, just kept going. You know, reruns of Gilligan's Island. All the I loved Lucy. I mean. All the classics, you know, that I missed, you know, the first time around, they played all the time in New York. At that time, there were only five stations. Right. So, know. so what year did you decide to start doing stand-up? You, you got out, you graduated high school. Did graduated you, did high you go to college? School. I went to college. I went to law school. I Where, where'd you go to college? I went to college at Bentley University. I played hockey for them. Okay, so you're yeah. you're so you're you're a jock. I was a jock, and then and you decided to go to law school, and, and I, I realized I was never going to make the NHL. Yeah, so. that's that must suck because I mean I was an average athlete, but when you can actually go and play college, there's always that glimmer. Like you think of it now, like you know Tom Brady played for Michigan, but he was a six round pick, and then you sit there and you hear these walk ons. But when you think about right. it, there's it's such a small small chance, especially for basketball, because there's so many you know great players. But right. for hockey, it was hard. I mean, I and I grew up uh, in New Jersey. When, when it wasn't actually a hotbed for hockey. I mean, now there's a lot of great hockey players from New Jersey, but uh, back then they weren't scouting, so I actually went as a walk-on, and I didn't win a scholarship until after. Now, where's Bentley? In uh, Boston. Okay, so you went up there. In Boston, and I, and I, there, I was a goalie, and they had uh, 11 other goalies trying out for the third spot um, that wasn't a scholarship spot, and I won that spot, and I played on for the year, and then I, uh, one goalie got hurt, and the backup had a really terrible game, and I got put in for half the game. I did well, and and um, and I ended up making the team. So it worked out. It worked out great, and then uh, just didn't work out. I mean, I saw it in the cards. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't pro material. It was all mental, you know. I I have, I have the mind of a comic, not the mind of a concentrated goaltender. Did you at any time during the times in Bentley? Did you ever think about doing stand up, or did you go to see stand up, or was that not even in your mind? No, I went to see stand up because Boston I, had a great scene. Boston, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go see. My first stand up was I saw Joan Rivers in uh, Westbury Music Hall. I saw David Brenner in Westbury Music Hall. Then when I uh, was eighteen, I started taking dates to comedy clubs, and you know they'd uh, they'd want to go after like you know six seven comics. I like oh wait, there's only like twenty seven more. Right. You know, <laughs> try to be there till two o'clock in the morning. You know, if I if I knew I was getting laid, then I see the three comics and leave. And yeah. if I knew it was going to be a long night, I just like, say you know what, <laughs> yeah, I'm staying. Yeah, you you find a cab. I'm I'm gonna stay. So so how'd you decide on law school then? Just. My dad was a lawyer, and I, it's funny because I just I just finished a pilot about this. Okay, uh, where uh, my early days when I practiced law with my dad. So that's really fun, and we're 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 uh, we're working on that now with my 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 quote unquote team. Now, where um, where did you go to law school? I went to law school at Toro Law School in Long Island in okay. New, Jer in, uh, New York, and uh, it was great. It was a Jewish law school, so like every other day was a holiday, and uh, I don't know how I managed to get through, but I did. Um, and I was, you know, toying around with stand-up at the time, and then I failed the bar the first time because I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll figure it out 
when I get there. And then, uh, and then this, the second time I said, you know what, I better pass this thing because I never want to take it again. But I'm not going to not gonna go to law school and not be a lawyer. Right. Because you're not a lawyer until you pass the bar. So you so, passed it your second so time. I passed it the second time. I was determined to do that. And then uh, I went and I worked for my dad. And I started working for my dad. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. I started doing stand-up at night and I didn't tell him. Now in Long Island, in, Long Island. in Jersey, okay. and I started. Well, and, and and in New York, I started doing all the open mic. What year is nights. this? This was ninety. Okay, because I'm trying to think. Because that's when I started. Cause I'm yeah. Trying to think around. So okay, there was a right. lot of uh, so I did Jerry like Stanley the, stuff. Jerry and Stanley, Dennis, I did the hack, Dennis Ross, Hackensack Comedy Club, okay. and and um, all the all those places. And uh, you know, I'd get into work late, and I'd be exhausted night after night. And my father was like. You know, I got I got to really talk to you. I'm really worried about you. And this was like, you know, like 1990. He said, uh, you know, I don't understand what your lifestyle is becoming, but I'm afraid you're very sick, and I want you to go for an AIDS test. <laughs> I, said, I said, Dad, it's worse than that. I'm I'm yeah. a comic. <laughs> now, what do you think about that? Because I mean, it, it is a big. Uh, I'm not, I grew yeah. up in a Jewish town, so I mean, there wasn't really many comics. There's many. I went to my reunion. There's very lawyers. But you think in the in the past, especially back then, there's a lot of Jewish comics, a lot of Jewish lawyers. So I mean, yeah. it was, was, what was his what was his take on that? He was proud of me. He loved it. He said, you know, go for it. You know, uh, you know, he never thought it would turn into what it's turned into. But uh, he said, you know, go for it, have fun. I remember the proudest, one of the proudest first moments was, uh, and I actually just saw Joey Novick. Um, okay. the comedy he was works. in town, yeah. I, I saw him uh, about uh, three weeks ago. He called me up, he was in town. So we got together. Uh, no, no, we got on the phone. We got on the phone. And um, we talked for a while. He was my first paid gig. It was 300 bucks to do the weekend at some, you know, New Jersey bananas. Was it? Uh, it must have been bananas. Hasbrook or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, 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 yeah. With Harlan and Arlene, who I love. Actually, they treated me really nicely. Anyway, so uh, and I loved it. And no, my father got a big kick out of the fact that I'm a lawyer and I'm excited. We're all excited that I'm making three hundred dollars, right? And uh, <laughs> you know, for five shows. And um, so, so I did that. And uh, one thing led to another. Then I broke into the onto the city circuit. Uh, became the house MC at uh, Stand Up New York um, with when Carrie Hoffman owned owned it, and that was a great training ground for me. And you know, I learned how to cover a check spot, which is you know when the waitresses drop checks. You know, oh, yeah. when the waitresses drop checks, and and instead of uh, laughing at the last four acts, they're going what you know seventeen fifty for a pina colada. So you know you have to cover that. And the best line was, "Who ordered the tax?" That right. was like that was, like, that was like that was like the biggest right. hack line. But every right, everyone right. did it because of you're right because covering that sucked. And it, the, dif the difference is like when you were a house MC, there's a lot of acts going up. Right. But what happens is, and I, I end up I, I headlined at some you know. C clubs, but when you're headlining the C club or any club, when you're headlining, you have to you have to cover that. The MC's not covering for cover you. That spot. And so that's what I always say to people. There's and you you'll know this because you were a house MC when you worked. You know there was so much training back then when you were a host. It made such a difference because when there's a three comic show or whatever, when you were a host, they wanted good hosts and yeah. you got paid. I mean, I used to work for Scarp. We talked about Andy Scarpati. Uh -huh. He looked at my calendar when I first started working for him, and I had like. 30 openings. He filled everyone because he had all these clubs because they knew you could do a good job. Right. There were a lot of clubs where I got paid more than the middle, more than the feature act because they knew I was a good host and uh, they knew I could keep the show rolling. And uh, so that, and, I, and I could stretch. I had material to stretch if, 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 if someone couldn't cover their time. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I did go through the ranks and I ended up featuring and headlining a bit. And, um, and I loved it and I loved being on the road and I loved being a single guy on the road and having uh, a great time. Um, and then um, I came to LA to do, uh, Evening at the Improv was my first TV show. Okay, because back then, they did, now did, you did they fly out? No, you had no, to fly no, I yourself had to, out. I had to fly out. But it's so funny because back then there were so many TV shows on it. And Evening at the Improv, there was a ton, I mean, and they would constantly play. Right, constantly, constantly play. Like, like people would recognize comics. Right. So you did. You came out here to do that. Do that, and I also got recognized a lot from Comedy Central back then. They did. Uh, it was all nothing but stand up, and they would take your. Um, they would take your your uh, act, and they would split it up into categories. You know, mothers, weddings, right. dogs, that kind of thing. So, and it, they would air it on a loop. So, you know, I would get recognized from Comedy Central in its early days. And you're going. I'm not getting paid for that, right, I'm but I'm getting, getting recognized. Right, right. That's terrific. You know. Um, so and uh, I, had, I had fun, you know, doing all that. And I started doing some of the other TV shows out here. 
And did uh, you had you moved here or you just visiting? Then I decided to move out here after you did it for your years. After the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, I decided that uh, you know I had achieved everything I needed to in New York. Now I always ask this uh, to my guests because it always cracks me up when you moved out here. Okay, because you're coming from North Jersey, you're, you're in the city a lot. So, and I always say there's a big difference between cities like back east. You know, you know a crappy area back east when you see it. Right. Out here, you don't know. I always say you can tell if the houses look nice, but if there's signs in different languages and check cashing places, <laughs> you're not going to be in the best thing. Where did you right. first move when you came out here? Did, well, that's did you, so funny too. Yeah, yeah, and it was really hard because I say the same exact thing you do. Uh, you know, you're in the middle of a crime zone and there's seven palm trees sticking mm-hmm. out. You know. <laughs> You know, you think you're in a resort area and you're being held up at gunpoint. Exactly. Um, It was hard. Uh, I did some research and then I ended up staying with a friend of mine uh, who I knew from New York. I stayed with her for a while and then I... I, um, What area though? I I was in the marina, in in Marina Del Rey. Okay, so that's nice. I knew it was okay. I knew it was okay. And then she kicked me out. (laughs) It's a funny story. I can't tell. Why not? She kicked me out because because I fucked up her her comforter. Um, she had got a brand new comfort and she was really excited about it. And I'd met a girl on the road and, uh, yeah. And suddenly I'm itching and I go, shit, you know? So I go to, uh, I go to the clinic and I had crabs. Oh, so, which like, is the I, only disease I've ever had in my life. That, that's so funny. So, so, so they, 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 they got on the uh, comforter? They, so they were on the comforter. So I didn't know. So I, the guy, oh, so man. the doctor says, you know what? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta clean everything. So I take her comforter and I stick it in the washer and the dryer. Cause what do I know? I'm a single guy. So now it's got burn marks on it. I'm trying to hide it. And she's like, what happened to this thing? It, it looked like a dish rag that was scorched. It is, it is unbelievable women with their comforters. Cause this is no lie. When I was going back and forth to see Joanne, when we would go to, I go to her place, she would make the bed. She had a, she had a uh, condo. She would make the bed. And she had this comforter on it. And I would say, okay, you know, I would want to go lay on it. She goes, you, you can't lay on it. I go, why? I'm, I want to lay on the bed to watch TV because you're watching something in another room. She goes, because you'll, you'll, you'll dent or do something to the right, comforter. Right, right, right. So when she moved out here, I said, just so you know, honey, I said, we can use the comforter. But you know what? I'm going upstairs. I'm laying on the bed when I want to. So now she put my comforter over. And now, but she notices like, what happened? She was away for a week. And she goes, what did you do to this comforter? I go, I used it like a damn comforter. Like a they, normal, don't, they don't yeah. get it. It's like, and she's like, for her, it's like a showpiece. And yeah, it's, it's decoration. Like, yeah, like make, but making the bed to her. I mean, I, I know you were married. So I don't know if, if your wife does this, but yeah, yeah, making com- the bed, it's like, I can't do it because it's not right. It's, and my girlfriend has a little bit of OD, OCD. Yeah, my, my wife does too. So they sit there and it's like, I'm going, what is wrong? Well, that she, I'm like, who gives a crap at the night? I mean, in the day, as long as it's covered. But yeah, so, so. yeah, we have a comfort. We have we have a company comforter that's only broken out when people are going to come over to the house. That's funny. And then my wife tries to make it look like our bedroom's all pristine. I'm like, it is pristine anyway because you know she yeah she's crazy like that. Yeah. Even like downstairs with the pillows, I'm like, you know, it's like shoes. She, she'll take my shoe. I mean, she's like a shoe ninja. It's like yeah. I swear to God, I'll put my shoes down and and they're upstairs. And I, I go to her. I go, what if I had to go somewhere? She goes, yeah. where are you going to go? It's 8 o'clock at night. I go, I don't know. I might be, I might meet a friend for a drink. She goes, you're not going to meet a friend for a drink. If you go out for a meet friends for a drink, you always go at happy hour. Because I always do because I'm right. a cheap bastard. And they're a lot cheaper. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's so weird. So so you you, you, you screw up this girl's comforter. So she I screw up this girl's comforter. She, she's like, you know, you got to go. And uh, I, found a, I found a really cool place to... Uh, to rent a, a really cool apartment. In the same area? In, uh, no, no, no. In um, near Beverly Hills. It was like okay. Beverly Hills adjacent. Okay. Um, it was the Hillcrest Apartments. They were really nice. And I figured, you know, I'm going to splurge for myself for, for a year and then see what happens. And then, uh, so it was in a good area. And I continued doing stand-up and continued. Were uh, you hitting, like, the comedy store? Did you yeah, get, did you get in quick? I, I got in really good or? with Bud. Okay. So Bud liked me. Bud came to see me. Bud came to a Saturday night show at Ve- in Vegas one Saturday night. And if you can't kill in the middle show in Vegas on a Saturday night, then, you know, you're doing something wrong. So, so, I, I always say that about, like, the ice house out here. If you right. can't do well in the ice house, get out of business. Because exactly. that room, you just walk on stage and they laugh. Because they're just, they're trained so well. Bob Fisher is such a great owner that the club is just, uh, I mean, I've been there a few times. And you just go on stage and you sit there and it's where you sit there and you go, someone's father's doing some show. There's, like, nine of us. And the other people were newer because they were bringers, but I wasn't bringing. And I, was, I wanted to tell you the booker, I wanted to say, 
these people are brand new. They're going to eat it. Because I'm not that I'm a star, but I did it for a long time. Right. So you can, you know how when you have a good crowd, you just you know pound it. it. You, don't, yeah. you, don't, you don't stop. You just, right. well, you don't wait for the pauses because you have nine minutes. And that's the thing. And then the, these people come up, they don't do that good. And I right. feel bad for them. But then I think, well, it's not. But so, so you go, you're doing the improv. Exactly. How, did, so you have, I, did you have a guest spot? or so, No, 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 no. I was booked for the week. Okay. Uh, but, you know, coming off my uh, my evening at the improv set. So I had a good set there. And then Bud book, booked me for a second evening at the improv back to back. So I got a second one there. And then uh, it was probably about five weeks later that I had my spot in Vegas. He was there entertaining. And, you know, he was there. And I, I had a great show. And that's all he needed to see. So I got a lot of spots at the improv. And I got a lot of spots in, uh, in Vegas and at some of the other improvs. And, and that, w- that was really great. So um, I was, go ahead. Go, and Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, so you were doing all the stand-up, and then, I mean, you really don't do stand-up anymore. Well, then I started opening for, uh, this is a funny story, uh, I got a job writing, well, I got my job on my first sitcom. Okay, well, I, when you were doing stand-up, and right. you were getting spots, you got a job on a sitcom. Well, when I, when I got a job, when, when I was doing stand-up, I started, you know, my dad always say, learn how to play golf. Golf will help you. It'll be the gateway to your career. But, you know, I was a hockey player. So when I moved out to L.A., when I was in New York, and I was the house MC at Stand-Up New York... Dennis Leary would always say to me, hey, you know, we play hockey. You, you play hockey. You know, we should play. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that time, he was doing that Broadway play, No Cure for Cancer. Right. He was already on his, well on his way to stardom. And, uh, you know, I was this little, you know, house MC. And I'm like, I would love to. I would love to. But, you know, of course, uh, I thought it would never happen. And when I moved out here, I got a call from him. And he's like, you know, so this guy, Jerry Bruckheimer, starting a hockey team. And I didn't even know who he was at the time because, you know, he had done a, he'd done a bunch of movies. But He wasn't, yeah. It, it was before... <laughs> Before America got so savvy that it was like, you know, from the producer of this, right. from the guy who held the camera from that, from, you know, the lighting tech guy from this, you know. So people didn't know who producers were. They just knew who the celebrities were. So uh, so I went to that first hockey thing, and I met Cuba Gooding Jr., and I met Kiefer Sutherland, and I met uh, D.B. Sweeney, and uh, Tom Cruise played with us for a while, and and uh, it was really fun. and And... I played for several years. We went to Vegas tournaments out there. And after a couple of years of playing hockey with these guys and then just, you know, keeping your mouth shut, laying low and listening to all their stories that were incredible and your like eyes are bulging out of your head, you know, finally they got bored with themselves and somebody said, hey, you know, what do you do? And I go, well, you know, I do stand up, but I've written a couple of spec scripts. Uh, and they go, well, is it any good? And I go, yeah. I yeah, yeah. No, no, it sucks. What yeah, am I going to say? Yeah. Right. So, uh... You know, to his credit, you know, uh, Michael Rotenberg from Three Arts um, read it, and he really liked it. What was it a spec for? Uh, it was a it was a friend spec. Okay, I had a friend spec, and I had a Mad About You spec. I wrote a Mad About You spec. But do you remember right. Ray Panetti? He was a comic from Belleville, New Jersey. <sighs> he, he played. We worked. In the oh yeah, 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 yeah. Me yeah, and him yeah. wrote a Mad About You spec oh, that's years funny. ago. That's funny. So I did that, and then and Michael really liked it, and he got me an agent, and he got me my first job on uh, Pearl with Rhea Perlman. Okay. Which was uh, another one of my brilliant decisions because, you know, I go to this meeting and Rhea Perlman's, you know, in the room, and I'm like starstruck. I'm like Rhea Perlman's in the room, and then, uh, then uh, I'm talking to Ray Romano because I know him, you know, from the circuit. And he goes, "Hey, I got this show," and you know, and he and actually Ray and um, and Tom Caltabiano. Yeah, Tom, I know. Yeah. yeah. So they were my first guest on uh, on our first taping of uh, of of Pearl. Rhea Perlman. Audi- audience yeah. guests. Yeah, audience. Okay. They, they wanted to come see how it was because they like, we have this little shitty stage and, you know, and, and so Ray goes, hey, you know, maybe you want to work on my show? And I'm like, you know, Ray, that's really cool, but I got Rhea Perlman, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause, it's so good, funny. Because, yeah. I mean, but, but you've done well, but it's like I, I, I've had Scroven on a few times yeah, and he wrote for that and those guys, you know, they, I mean, they won the Emmy, but that was, was you know, that, like Tom said in the beginning, it was for him. He was just like the hangout. He, Tom yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. the writer, right away. Photographer for the. So, so, for, so you got on Rhea as a, a staff as writer, a staff writer, okay. and then that got canceled after the first year. And I went, "Hey, Ray," and he's like, "Yeah, no, I, I think we're pretty filled up right now." Well, how did how did, <laughs> how, did, how, did how did that affect you? I mean, because you get a break now. Are you still doing stand up when you're well, doing? When well, you're doing the, right, you're I doing? stopped doing stand up while I was on. Uh, well, while I was on Pearl, because it's just you know constant writing, constantly in the uh, in the writers room. Um, but after that, um, I got a job on uh, Howie Mandel had a daytime talk show, and I became his writer. 
on uh, one of five writers. Now, how is that? Because you're going from a sitcom to mostly stand. I mean, it must have been. Well, I was a, a joke writer all the time. Okay. So what happened was they had a uh, a process where they weeded out people. So they start out taking submissions where you write twenty jokes, then you write like five pieces of like interview questions and that kind of thing. So I did that, and I survived the first round where they called it from, like, I don't know how many people down to, like, you know, 100 people. They go, you know, we're going to have a second round. And I'm like, all right, so I got to write 20 more jokes. So I did that and uh, and came up with some more questions and some a couple bits, and, and that worked out well. And they called it down to, like, I guess, you know, X amount of people, and they were going to hire from this third round. And I go, you know, this is ridiculous. Now, now I just feel, you know like i don't know what i'm gonna write so i took uh i took 20 jokes from my act and i just i just you know they were pretty like evergreen you know which uh and and uh and i i, I used them and uh and i submitted it and i met howie and i got the job and it was great and everything's fantastic and then about three weeks later he's like hey you know uh do you know hal spear who passed away. I, I, I remember yeah. him. I remember his pictures yeah. at the comedy Great clubs. Great guy. Really good friend. Moved to Vegas, right? Moved to Vegas. And was he living with Mike Reynolds? Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 for a while. Um, Hal was on that show, on that show too, and Hal was opening for Howie a lot. And um, Hal couldn't make it for some reason one day at one of the clubs. So uh, Howie goes, hey, you want to open for me? Um, and I go, yeah, yeah, are you kidding me? I'd love to. And he goes, great, great. But it's, you know, Vegas. Um, he goes, I just have to see a tape. I know you're funny, but I have to give a tape to, to Vegas so they can just approve you, even though you're going to be fine. So I'm like, great. <laughs> Ten minutes later, they call me in the office. They go, this is your submission. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> you're like, oh, go, of course it's my submission. You know, how many jokes do you think I got in me? They go, you realize this job, you have to write jokes every day. I go, I will. But, you know. I just want to get the job before yeah, I start I doing it. Job. That's so funny. I'm exhausted. So, so, but they, they, they were okay with you? So uh, they were totally cool. So I, I was opening for Howie. I opened for him for a while, and you know we flew around and and uh, had a great time, and uh, had a lot of experiences and a lot of a lot of jokes and a lot of fun. He's probably one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Now you aren't the guy. I've I've heard I heard a story about Howie, one of his opening acts. He sat there, and every town they go into, he would buy a pair of shoes yeah that, yeah was no, that you was, that wasn't okay. me but if people don't you know he would buy a pair of shoes like a half size each yeah. smaller and the the, he would the think opener his, didn't know he kept thinking think his like, feet were growing yeah right? that's so okay that wasn't you okay but we've had crazy times you know i um you know i he was on stage and i ran across in my underwear and you know and he didn't understand why he was getting a big laugh because he was just in the middle of setting up an, a, a joke, you know. And then he sees me, and then they tried to trick me into getting me coming out again because they were going to steal my clothes and make me walk through the casino naked, basically. And you know, they 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 tackled me when my name was introduced, so I wasn't on for like five minutes, and the audience was, I mean, just crazy stuff. But we had a lot of fun. He's literally and 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 his uh, his right hand man, uh, Rich Thurber. His uh, road manager, just a fantastic guy, too. We're really good friends. We still stay in touch. Uh, I wrote for Howie uh, um, on the Emmys in 08 when he when he hosted with the reality shows. Um, I helped him uh, on Deal or No Deal. Uh, it was me, Howie, um, Rich, and a couple of other guys that learned how to play Deal or No Deal. I don't it was, know. I, I watched it a few times. I never understood it. I, I'm a smart guy. I, I still I, make jokes about not understanding I, I was watching it. I, yeah. I was watching it going, I don't... So you picked it. it. It makes no sense to me. But people get it. It's like it's like educated people don't get it. People but someone, get it. People who just who watch TV all the time go, oh yeah, well they do. It. And I'm like, I, I just see people picking stuff. Yeah, it was funny. We, we watched this. Um, you know, we had we had like it was like a cork board with 26 index cards numbered one through 26 with some like some like you know chick that was freebasing. They grabbed off the street and she was flipping over the card okay. cards and you know. But we learned how to play the game that way. And uh, and look what it turned into. And um, and then I went back to that was the time that I was in between seasons one and two of Weeds. Okay, so so you were with Howie for a while, with Howie for a while, and then on and on and off, back and forth, just still always in touch. And then he's still. I went to his. I watched his kids grow up. I went to his daughter's wedding last year. She just. He just had a grandchild, a granddaughter. How long? Um, how long did his show last? When you wrote for that. I wish it lasted half as long as our friendship. It la no, it lasted for a year. Okay, so after that year, what do you do? Do you? That's what I was saying to myself. After that year, what do I do? Um, I didn't know. I didn't know. So uh, I was trying to figure it out, and then um, 
I wrote a uh, I, I I wrote a couple of other scripts. I wrote a pilot that didn't go, and then Joan Cusack had a had a sitcom in two thousand, and that shot in Chicago, and uh, she happened to pick up my script. She read it because we were with the same agents, and uh, she loved it because she thought it was whimsical and uh, and charming, and and so I got hired for that job. Flew out to Chicago, brought my car out to Chicago. So you had to, you had to move to Chicago. Moved to Chicago. And, uh, and we were canceled uh, pretty quickly. See, that must suck because you make that move. Did you keep your place here? or? Yeah, I kept my place okay. here. I subled it to a friend of mine. Okay, because that just must be hard because when you had to move from L.A. and now all of a sudden you're going back to the cold. I'm still paying rent on the, on the uh, place. Yeah. In Chicago. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, it, it, uh, they, they gave you a per diem and they gave you money to relocate. And, and you know, you went back and forth a lot. And, but it was a lot of fun. It, and, and Joan was, was, was very, uh, very nice and very loving. And, uh, and the situation was fun. And no, the, the so that was, was what about Joan? So I'm, looking at, I'm looking at you. That's in 2000. Yeah, yeah, but then was, I said you didn't work till 2005. Well, no, then I did. Uh, what, what was after that? What does it say on my It says Sex, Love, and Secrets. Yeah, no, no. I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a few pilots, um, and the, no. Then I got, uh, I got weeds. Okay, okay, weeds. Okay, so weeds. When you got it, it must. You must have been thinking. You know, I mean, being an old school sitcom guy and working for What About Joan, which is probably network, which was right. you know, and even Rhea, which was network, and Hallie's more of a variety show. Mm-hmm. You must have thought, what the hell is this weeds? Because I mean. Back then, people weren't talking about pot. I mean, it no, was, it was no, such a no. great. And I watched the first few seasons, and it was very. And just one of those things when you you miss and some you start missing out on episodes, and it's so hard to. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't back then; like you couldn't watch it all the time. But so, how did that show come up? And what, what did you think? When it that was came fun. Up? Nobody knew what they no nobody knew what it was. What happened was, so I, I had I had my own career, and I had a very dear friend of mine who uh, who I say he's exactly like me, but we we're like the same person, but with different souls and different backgrounds but we both came from uh from uh, he came from long island we both partied in the city both diehard ranger fans i mean we had a lot in common um he except he got married as soon as he graduated college and you know i was living my single life but uh i had an idea for a, for a, a pilot and uh i called him because I, I i thought he could help me on that and and he had a great idea and we decided to do it together and so we teamed up on it and we sold it and it never never got shot, but it was really fun. So we said, you know, working together is fun because we, you know, instead of banging my head against the wall, I can bang my head against the wall with you. You know, we can we can play catch while we're doing it. Right. So uh, so we said, you know what, we should write like an hour spec just for the fun of it. So we wrote my um, um, oh, what was that show with the two doctors in, in Miami, those plastic surgeons, Nip Tuck, uh, Nip Tuck. We wrote a Nip Tuck, and we wrote an outrageous one, um, and it was a really good experience. And based on that, uh, Genji Cohen read it, uh, who created Weeds, and she loved it, and she brought us on as a team. And so Barry's been my partner ever since, from 2005 to today, until after this podcast, and I get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, we, so we, we jumped on Weeds. And we had a great time. It was a great experience. Everyone was amazing. And Mary Louise um, Parker's just Mary, awesome. Well, Mary Louise Parker's, you know, a little, 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 little crazy, um, but she, uh, you know, she's a phenomenal actress. So you know, maybe those two go hand in hand. I don't know. So how long did you work on that for? So we did the first season, and nobody knew what we had, and 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 nobody knew if it was coming back. And in between that, you know, helped Howie on on Deal or No Deal. And then we got a job offer to do another hour show called Sex, Love, and Secrets, which uh, was with Denise... Uh, Richards? Uh, yeah, Richards. And, and so we go, that, that's cool. And we're on there, and the showrunner was a phenomenal guy. And uh, we learned a lot from him in, as far as, like, structure for the hour world and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we, our heart was at Weeds, and um, we didn't love the show. And... Uh, it got canceled right before Weeds got picked up for a second season, so we went right back to Weeds. You know, we were fortunate, and we went back to Weeds for year two, and that's when things started to change a little bit, and people, you know, started, you know, beating their chests and saying, uh, you know, uh, this is a big thing, and they all had ideas on where to take it. Um, and Genji is a phenomenal showrunner, and a phenom- but but more than that, she's a phenomenal writer. 
Um, really, really an excellent writer. Uh, she had a number two guy who took care of a lot of her business for him, for her, um, who was not such a phenomenal writer. And he had grandiose uh, visions. And um, and at that point, things started getting contentious. And, and you know, and it wasn't as, nearly as copacetic and fun as it once was. Doesn't that suck? Like, you hear that a lot about a lot of shows about that, where it's all of a sudden, and it's, it's usually not the showrunner. It's all the people around them that sit there and the network wants this. And then there's always, like, that one person. And it really... It throws off the chemistry, and I think for a, a show, it's like when I talk to some of the writers for Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. You know, they go in, you know what was going on. It was Larry. And right. Jerry was sitting there, but it was, bottom line, it was Larry. Of so course. you would throw an idea, and you knew if you threw an idea, your script is going to change, because right. that's just the way it is. Right. But you knew that going into it. When you go into this, you know, as you said, very copacetic uh, first two seasons, you're thinking, this is great, because you're not thinking, you know, you get along, and then the outer, uh, outer voices get involved, and it just blows things up. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happened. And, uh, you know, um, the fir- the, between the first and second seasons of... Uh, the, ed- the way we ended Weeds season one was that she ends up with a DEA agent, uh, Martin Donovan. You know, she notices his jacket's a DEA right, agent I- jacket. So we're coming back, and we have no idea how we're going to write the arc for season two. We're, we're trying to figure it out, and we've arced it out really well. And again, Genji's, you know, really got her head into it and knows exactly what she's doing and she arcs out a fantastic season. The one problem that we had dealing with that we had to land on was, you know, what do we do with Mary Louise with this DEA guy because how are we going to know that he's never going to flip on her? You know, it seems like she could do it at any second. And we came up with something where, you know, he gave her his gun to hold on to, which to me seemed a little flimsy, but at having nothing better, we 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 kind of held on to that. And then, um, you know, the uh, the co-EP at the time wrote that script. We had gotten that far where we had finished the first draft of that script. And I said to Barry one day driving in, I go, I know this is killing me, and I know I should keep my mouth shut, but, you know, as a lawyer, I have a great idea. And I think it's going to, I think it would really help because if this, if you don't buy their relationship, you're not going to buy the rest of the season. Right. And so... Barry's like, no, just don't say it. Let it go. And I go, I, I'm just going to float it by. And I said, I said to Genji, I said, hey, Genji, I know we're way past this, and I apologize for this. And she was very gracious. She was like, no, you got something to say. I want to hear it. And I said, and I, I said, I know, but the script's written. She's like, just say it, you know. And I go, all right. I go, what if, um, what if they got married? You know, because as a lawyer, I know that you, you know, you have a husband and wife privilege, and they can't testify each other. So, um, although there are exceptions, the vast majority of people are not going to know that. Exactly. And I don't even remember them. And I went to law school, and I was practice law, and and even and uh, that way she's protected. You give her the marriage certificate to hold on to. So if she's in any kind of trouble, she just sends it away. And there was like silence in the room for like ten minutes, and. Genji goes, we got to do that. That makes the most sense. And so we did that. And, you know, so there was some contention that it had to be rewritten and that kind of thing. And, you know, I only did it because I thought it would be for the good of the show. You know, I want pe- people not to question, you right. know, the relationship between these two people going going forth. Um, so by the end of the second season, it got to be less fun. Um, and Genji liked her, you know, be in her room and write. And God bless her. She deserved it. She earned it. And she's, again... She was the best writer on the staff by far. So, um, and but and and also thankfully because of her and Weeds, Barry and I had a lot of other opportunities. So we decided now's a good time to go and take advantage of those things. And so, then we where'd you go? You went to Ten Things I Hate About You. No, first we went to um, another another drama actually, a comedic drama uh, created by Margaret Nagel, who's really cool too, and she. Um, it was called, uh, what the hell was it called? It was for Lifetime. Side Order of Side Life. Side Order of Life, yeah. And uh, it was fun. It was Jason Priestley um, was in it, and, uh, and it was kind of like this, uh, this fantastical kind of a world where she, she would kind of hear things, and, and it was really fun. And so we wrote, a, you know, we, 
we had a, a full season on Lifetime, you know. So here I here we are, for, you know, doing everything from Showtime and Lifetime. I was going to say it's quite yeah. a difference going from Weeds on Showtime, and then you being a, a background of a stand-up comic, ending up right. on Lifetime, and, and you need writers. And Lifetime, you know, Lifetime gets their great network, and I, and you know, and you know, those they get the, the movies, they get. I mean, mm-hmm. they have their viewership. Right. But it just must be different for you writing because you know you were you were in, at heart you were a joke writer. Right. Right. And then right. And you're sitting there going, I'm writing for a Lifetime, and everyone thinks Lifetime. You always think about a Lifetime movie, like it's like it's. It's, it's like sleeping with the enemy if, if Julia Roberts wasn't in it. Right. If it was Victoria Principal and, you know, and Jack Scalia. That's like a Lifetime movie. Exactly. But, you know, this was a series and it was fun and Margaret had uh, sort of uh, a good amount of humor into it. And, you know, the... The dramatic writing I learned a lot through also, you know, legal writing really prepares you for that. It keeps your thoughts clear and it helps you understand structure. And so, you know, and Barry and I, uh, you know, did that and we had a lot of fun and that lasted only a season, but it was a really great experience. So what's it feel like when a show only lasts a season? You know, is it, do you, because you guys had a good track record did you know you would get a job, or does it sometimes worry you? You never be, know. It, it must always be depressing you. sometimes. Like you sit there and go, especially if you like if you like the job, and then all of a sudden they get canceled. You must be like, damn, you know, it's like that was a good series. It's hard leaving. You know, leaving Chicago was tough for me. You know, uh, um, you know, because I really had a good time there. Um, sometimes there are situations you can't wait to get out of. Sometimes you know, shows run their course. They're fun. They're less fun. Then they're like just really, you know, a job. Um, so it really depends. The only thing that's really always the constant bummer is, you know, what's going to happen next? Cause you never know. You never know. There's a lot of talented writers out there. Um, you know, and especially now I'm married and I have, I have two kids. So you worry about that a lot. Um, but I have, you know, you have faith in your talent and, uh, and you, you know you land somewhere. You can't just sit and stress over that stuff. So now you you go from Sutter Life, and then there's ten things about I hate about you in the excess. Then Glory yeah. Days. Now Glory Days was on uh, cable, I believe, right? Yeah, that was TBS. That was our foray into TBS. Now, the, now ten things about I hate about you was a half hour sitcom, right? It was a half hour sitcom. So yeah. were you glad to get back to that format? I mean, is that what you really liked doing, or did you like the hour drama? I mean, what was your what what was your? Well, it was a single camera. It was good though, because I was I was happy to be on there. You know. Um, we had Larry Miller was was, was in Amazing. it. And he's so funny, and we had a very uh, young uh, cast because it took place in high school. Uh, and we played, uh, you know, we played pretty well. Gil Younger directed most of them, and he's a really funny, fun guy. Um, so uh, we did that, and then um, that uh, ran its course too. Um, do you know when it's running its course? Like as a writer, when you're on a project, like weed, you notice it wasn't really fun anymore. Do you feel that sometimes, like in the middle of a season, you may sit there and go, "You know what? I really don't enjoy this. I don't know where this is going to go." Yeah. Is there a point where you feel like you sit there and not a sign, but there's something where you sit there and you go, "You know what? I mean, if I if I have to stay because you're married with kids, you know, if you you're going to stay. You're just not going to walk away." Right. Is, is there certain points where you sit there and you go? Okay, you know this. This has run its course. I, I don't think this show it can go. I don't think I can help this show. Yeah, well, I never feel like I can't help the show. I just feel like you know, if it's out of my hands because I haven't created it and the powers that be want it another way, then I, you know, I say, you know, I think it's the not the right direction. I'd like to steer the ship a little more and and help them. But if that's the case, then you know, I'll stay and might do my job. And the worst times I've ever had in television beats any times I've ever had in any other job, you know, okay. in the normal world. I mean, you know, you're writing jokes and writing or writing, you know, drama or you're, you're just inventing stuff for people to say for a living. Now, and your thing, it says a second generation weigh-ins. Was, it, was, that, was that supposed to be the, the, the next living color? Was that, what, was that that project? No, that was a sitcom actually, uh, you know, based on the second generation of weigh-ins, you know, Craig weigh-ins and, uh, and Dante and, and, um, and it was really cool. And, uh, one of my buddies from Weeds, um, Devon Shepard, uh, he created that show, and we were his first call. It's like, you know, got to have you guys. You guys are nuts. We need you in the writer's room. And we were like, that's awesome. You know, uh, we would love to do that. And they go, um, we have to get all 10 episodes written before we get on to Atlanta. And I go, all right, wait, I don't want to go to Atlanta. And he goes, I don't think you'll have to. He goes, I'll go to Atlanta. And, uh, and um so he really knew how to run a show because he's been through it a million times. He's funny. He he's he's light. He's fast on his feet. He 
He assembled a great room. Allison Faust was his number two. We came on as consultants because that's what we wanted to do. And 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 between uh, between Allison and uh, and the other guys, it was just a just a fantastic. Uh, group and we we wrote all the scripts and 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 then we went through them again and we made sure they were they were really tight before they went down to atlanta and shot them and then in the meantime um we got called for uh to do some punch up on sullivan and son in year one and so i said hey devon you know hey can i can i go for uh one day and then one night to do uh Punch up. Well, it's funny about sullivan and son because before that actually came out brian scalaro was in first season of Sullivan's son and he was a right. guest and he was saying how there is a show coming on TBS with Steve Byrne and right. these guys and so I, I, I knew of it and then when it was on we me and my girlfriend watched it and it's very funny so you so yeah. you were in the first season they just brought you on they as, brought, I brought us on as a, to, to, to punch up and um, and so yeah uh, Devon says just go and don't tell anybody just go and do that and our first our first day after the table read it was a long crazy table read and Rob Long uh, who is the creator of the show walks in and he goes you've been punked and he goes stay and then I, I met Rob and uh, and we just hit it off and he became like another mentor he's probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever met now Rob Long wasn't he involved with Cheers yeah he, okay. he worked his, all, his way up uh, all the way through Cheers had a bunch of shows on the air um, and I believe he wrote a book uh, yeah. a few years ago about uh, TV writers right he I'm did sure. okay yeah. he did okay. and he was partners with Dan Staley for a while and he also does a podcast too called Martini Shot and he's just a I, I really if he was a if he was an engineer, if he was a uh, doctor, no matter what he decided to do, he would be the top of his field at anything. And his mind is so facile and knows so much about so many things. Um, and uh, we really hit it off because he's also dark and he has a brilliant sense of humor and, and he appreciated my sense of humor. And, uh, you know, so between, between Don Rio, who was my very first mentor on, uh, on, on Pearl, who I learned so much from. Of course, I knew nothing at that point. Don Rio wrote the co-wrote, I believe, the Clarence Clemens book. Yeah, but yeah, because yeah. I, I read that because yeah. I'm a huge Springsteen fan. Yeah. You probably are too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so so you work with Don Rio, and I mean that's two amazing mentors. Yeah. I mean Rio's been in guy's been in everything. I mean it's like he's, I mean he's his his shows run crazy. Rob Long shows run Rob crazy. Long, yeah. I mean, I mean that so must be great. As them, them, I mean, it must be amazing to sit there and actually get to have those two as your mentors. It's fantastic. And, and so, so to say, you know, now at this point in my career to meet someone like Rob Long and then be able to say, I'm learning stuff still. I mean, that was a fantastic feeling and, and really great. Um, you know, and then also with, with the things that I learned from, uh, from, from Genji. Uh, so, you know, I had some really strong tent poles as far as people who taught me how to write better, how to how to think differently, how to um, appreciate what I had. Um, and it's really, you know, gotten us on track. And then we worked full time for uh, season two and season yeah, three. Yeah, so season one, you go in the punch up. And now are you are you you have a great time. You're working with this guy, Rob Long. And right. then, then you have the other guy, you know, from Weeds. Now, what happened with the Wayans show? It didn't get picked up? Didn't get picked up. Didn't get picked up. Uh, we, we would have done that again too, uh, you know, if we could have managed that because that's great. And and Devon is uh, again, you know, just brilliantly funny and and he knows how to have a good time and he knows how to keep all his writers happy because he's a writer's writer. Um, and uh, and we had a shorthand because you know from Weeds we worked with each other. So that's what we did. We um, we made some good TV and unfortunately didn't get picked up and uh but sullivan was a phenomenal and has been a phenomenal experience yeah, too i was going to ask you because sullivan and son is the cast is a majority of stand-ups yeah and i'm sure yeah. you know and i've talked to you know um and there's there's writers and there's stand-ups like you know I'm, I'm good friends with rich scheidner yeah rich wrote for some things but rich is a stand-up right? right you're not gonna put rich in a writer's room because right. he's, he's not that and so what's it like because you did stand-up for so long what did you did you miss? I mean, and now, but it's sort of it's not that you're in different camps, but it's front of the camera, back of the camera. But you're getting to actually incorporate stand-ups again because I'm sure all your writing through all your writing times, none of your shows really had stand-ups. Right, right, right. So, so what was that like when you sat there and you started working with these guys who were stand-ups? Because you know, stand-ups, it must be you know, I mean, they must always have input to their character. It must be weird. And did you miss working with stand-ups? 
I did. I mean, you know, I always hang with stand-ups. My friends are stand-ups and writers. You know, you know, I like I like that that uh, you know that culture that that subculture of people. Um, writers and comedy writers and stand-ups are not that different. And a lot of the stand a lot of stand-ups become. You know, Tom Hertz became right. a uh, a writer. Um, a lot a lot of stand-ups become become writers and uh so it's pretty close but getting able to being able to do a line that makes a, a writer that makes a comic like steve byrne laugh you know that's extra fun because you know it's 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 good to deliver to write a line for someone who's not a comic and have them you know get a laugh from it but when it's really appreciated by a comic who uh you know delivers jokes all the time that they write then it's fun you know and it's easier to be close with these guys and steve's a big hockey fan so you know, we, we used to uh, rollerblade and play roller hockey on the lot and at Warner Brothers until the guards uh, threw us out. Is, is he a Penguin fan? He's a Penguin fan. No, is he from Pittsburgh? Because I know the showcase plays in Pittsburgh. He's okay. from Pittsburgh. Because I remember I saw him tweet. I tweeted one time something to him because he was tweeting about the Penguins. And that's another team, the Flyers. We hate the Penguins. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, if you guys hate them that much. I don't think the Rangers. It's just yeah. I think that's the only rivalry. Like, if you say people, you know, if you're a Philadelphia fan, we don't really care about the Steelers. You know, we don't really care sure. about the, the Pirates, but there's something about the Penguins we hate, and it's just crazy. It's tough, you know, and, and, and Sidney Crosby's a crybaby, and, you know, and but he is a good ambassador for the sport, and he's an amazing hockey player. Um, I, if he cut back on the whining 10%, I think it would really help his overall image, now that he needs my advice. Now, but, do, you guys, do you guys ever, you know, you and Steve, do you have disagreements about hockey? Because We had a tough time last year because, uh, you know, I didn't want to root against him because the Rangers were playing the Pens to get to the Stanley Cup. And, uh, you know, we, we, we beat them. It was a miracle, too, because I didn't think we'd have a shot. Um, but, uh, you know, we kind of just respected each other's feelings. We knew how hard, uh, you know, each team was working and how hard we wanted our team to win. And at the end of the season, he ended up getting me and my partner, Barry, um, these beautiful uh, Rangers jackets. Okay. So he's, he's above everything else. He's just as classy as he is funny. So you, you get on the second season, and then it gets picked up for the third season. Right. So that must be great, because some of your other shows didn't run that long. Right. And so this is, and it's good, and it's on TBS, yeah. and they, they, I think TBS, TBS has good programming. They have their niche market. It's not like networks who just cancel stuff. It's like, you know, TBS and TNT both do that. Mm -hmm. And so now the season wraps. Now, when do you guys know if it's going to be picked up again? Because I, it, it, did it get picked up pretty quickly, the... Well, normally we know. Well, actually, we did. We snuck in another show between uh, seasons two and seasons three of of Sullivan. We did um, a show for Amazon called Betas. Now, now Amazon's different because that's just that's that's they read different. It's like, right. it's like watching a series on Netflix, right? But we were able to get that, and then we found out early on that that Sullivan was coming back, and we did not want any part of Betas. Um, um, that particular show, although Amazon is fantastic. You still didn't like the show? We or? didn't like the show. Um, so we wanted to go back to Sullivan. Um, and uh, I think I talked to you. I think I, I talked to you. It was about a year and a half ago about doing the show. I actually did talk to you because I have a weird memory like that. And you had uh, done something. And yeah, it was after Sullivan and you were, I think we were going to start with betas. And then you were supposed to do the show, but I think something happened or I don't know, you, you had to cancel or I don't yeah, know, and then we just lost us. Right, but okay, so, so you went to betas, but you, right. so, and once again, you, you're going to, of course, you're going to take it because it's work, but. And I had a fantastic experience with Amazon. They're, they're really doing a lot of great things. You know, Jill Soloway's got transparent over there and I love Jill. You know, I know her, you know, um, through a bunch of other friends. We became friends through, uh, you know, sit and spin and that whole thing. And, um. And Amazon's they're they're really smart. They have great people working for them, um, and they know what they're doing. And they they're they're putting themselves out there, and they're 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 really trying to get a lot of quality program. It was this particular show that uh, that had some difficulties. Um, I think it was because it was created by two guys that really were anti-television. They okay. came right out and said they don't like television. They don't want you know, and you know. So what do you do with that? You know, and they, they you know. We needed to kind of guide them uh, in telling stories, and they didn't really want to hear it. So at that point, you just throw up your hands and you go along for the ride, and you write whatever they want it is that they want you to write, and um, you know you hope for the best. We have about five minutes left. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. So now you're waiting for Sullivan's on to see if it's gonna get 
picked up for now. Like fourth, yeah, fourth season. Yeah, yeah. So now, so now, what do you do as a writer? Are you also pursuing other gigs? Or are you working? I mean, are you working on a pilot about the, the yeah, lawyer? Yeah, well, we just wrote just just wrote a pilot that uh, the lawyer one, the about? lawyer one that uh, that we're going to be uh, hopefully moving forward with. And um, Gene Simmons has been in touch with us actually to do a do a show with him, um, and he's really taking a shining to us based on some he was a fan of some other work that we did and he kind of actually tracked us down how cool and is that the guy from kiss can you believe that with, i mean that's like that's like and you're from you're from new york so i mean right right it's right. like new jersey so but that's just like they're yeah and they're barry, barry love kiss you know so there we are in his office which is like this is this and then we're hanging out in his house and you know and you know we have a meeting with with gene and he's he's in his robe and he's like just wait, 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 and we're watching an hour of TV till the movie finishes before we start the meeting. And he's he's a great guy. He's he's a brilliant, brilliant he's a, marketer, a brilliant I mean. marketer. Everything he touches turns to gold. So you know, we figured we'd let him touch us. Is that a reality so show or is that a podcast? no? It's a uh, it's an idea for a uh, for uh, a, a cable show, I think. Although it could be network too. So we have to work out the details. But we've just been working on the um, on on the uh, on the deal so far, and it's uh, with E One. And uh, and with Gene, and he's fantastic. In fact, I might go to Vegas next week with Barry because they're playing the Hard Rock, um, and figure that out. Um, but he's just—he's very cool, you know. I've never been with anyone like him either. In, in, in a different way, he's just brilliant. Now, you, um, you do stand up anymore? I haven't done stand up in a long time. Although you- I might, you know, maybe I talked to ha- I talked to uh, Rich Thurber, Howie's guy, about uh, maybe one day. Uh, you know, going with him just for the hell of it, having a having a fun time. It's different because when I, I mean, I and I, I was doing it when I a few years ago. I did a lot, and then I just, I, and I would go back to see my girlfriend. I would book Scarpati's uh-huh. rooms and the Comedy Works. You know, that's in Bristol now. Yeah, and I would do feature sets there, and it was fun. And but the thing is, it's like you sit there, and as you get older, you just it, it, the stuff we did back then, you do, you wouldn't have fun doing. I mean, no. I, I think it's just so funny. I think because we all have matured and our lives have changed that it's not like it was. I mean, and I was talking to someone, you know, back when uh, I was talking to, you know, Jeff Stilson. Yeah, yeah. And Stilson was saying back when, you know, when we were doing stand up, it was joke, laugh, 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 right. know, laugh, laugh, laugh. And he said now he watched it and he's like, God, it's like they get a laugh every minute and a half. It's all set up. And but that's fine now. But and so it's, it's just weird how it's changed because people. It's it's so much different that you have to actually acclimate, even though you, you have so much experience. Right. Well, that's why when you see some good stand up comics today, you know, like I'm a big fan of Amy Schumer's. I think she's so funny, so talented, and so gifted in so many ways. Uh, there's there's some good stand up comics out there. You know, I don't I don't want to go on the road anymore. You know, I miss. I, you know, I. I live for my kids. I just stand up for them. Right, I, you know, poopy and fart jokes. Yeah, you know? and, and, and the road's not—it's not an older guy's game. I mean, it's like—it's it's, just—it's different. You know? it is, yeah, and the not. money's not like when you said you know back then when you could MC, you can make fifty, sixty a show. Features are features are making sixty or seventy five a show, and they don't even get a hotel. I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's nuts. I remember one gig I did. The the comedy condo was over a Chinese restaurant. There were roaches all over the floor. I checked out into a decent hotel. This is in San Jose. I lost like eight hundred bucks for the week, but I just couldn't stay. It's and crazy, it was disgusting. That's nuts, man. That's yeah. nuts. So, uh, so, so you, you got you waiting for the Sullivan and Son, waiting for Sullivan and Son. Doing. Well, the, do you have an idea when that will happen? Do you? Did they? No, tell they, you, they they changed it. What happened was Michael Wright, who was uh, running the network, left to pursue another another gig, and um, and Kevin Riley uh, took over, and he's just now, you know, getting his feet wet, and he's dealing with TNT and TBS. So they've got to figure out what they want, and uh, you know, we'll pitch you know the the show to uh, you know Dan, Dan uh, Cohen and F.J. Pratt are show running it now, and Steve and Vince Vaughn and uh, and uh, the guys will just get together and and pitch. Uh, Peter Billingsley is a big part of that show. He's an executive producer, really really good guy, and you know, and they're all going to put their best foot forward and and present it to uh, Kevin Riley and. Assuming he doesn't want to make wholesale changes in the in the network, you know, uh, you know, I th- hopefully the show will see a fourth season. I hope it does because I really yeah. enjoy it, and uh, it's just it's a good show. It's fun, and Dan Laurie is great. I mean, it's, he's, he's, a good he's, guy. he's I mean, he's he's a legend. I mean, he's Wonder funny. Years, but uh, cool. I want to thank you for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Now, do you tweet? Uh, not really. You got to start tweeting. I will. I will. I'll tweet. I'll. Tweet. Do you have an account? I do have an account. And what is the account? I don't even know. You don't know. I don't know. It's probably at Michael Platt. It might be at Michael Platt. Probably. 
Okay. Probably. Well, follow him on Twitter and then go check out his IMDb because he's got a lot of credits and you can go find his shows and watch him. And Weeds was great and you know keep and check out Solomon's Son. And yes, yeah, so it was All good right. to see you from those back from those old days at Coconuts. I know, right? Crazy. That was a fun time. You stayed in a nice hotel back. Then. I know, it was great. You got to stay in a nice hotel. So I want to thank you and see you. Check him out, people. Also, uh, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot and you can see what's going on. If you want to go to my website, it's CooperTalk.net. I have about. Over three, I've got about 315 episodes up on there. Check them out. Send me an email. I always like to hear from you guys. It's cooper at coopertalk.net. And if you have iTunes or Stitcher, just go into your account, type in Cooper Talk one word. All my episodes are up there. iHeartRadio, I don't know what they're lagging. I only have like five past episodes. I, I submitted 10 more. They're not up. So you're not, you, unless you haven't heard, you know, in the last few months, you can go there. Also, if you have a, a Google, tablet go to uh, the play store type in cooper talk i have my own app so that's about it so don't forget tweet me at cooper talk and don't forget i'm steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guests and remember drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins you guys have a great weekend